0: Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power
1: Rangers!
0: Go, <laughs> Sentai,
1: Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 45 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the Internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week, we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, our listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? Good, man. Busy. Weirdly busy for
0: summer, actually. Well, no, but we'll talk about that in your a second. Out time. It is. But it's cool. It's cool. It's good busy. It's you stress, man. Okay.
1: Well, uh, then I guess we'll just get into it. Today, Dave, we are watching episode 45 of Dair Ranger. It's called Disbanding for Real. But before we get into that, uh, Shining in the Heavens, there are still 45 <laughs> weeks amazingly. into it, Dave. There are still five stars. So what is our first star of the week?
0: <laughs> real quick, I do not believe that the Dair Rangers are going to disband for real, Matt. Just throwing that no, out dude, there. No, dude, the title. Disbanding for at the, Real. At the top of everything, I ain't buying it. But... Our first story of the week, Matt, is that I am buying a new house. Woohoo! Ta-da! Yeah, no, no, no. Um, well,
1: congratulations! I know we talked about yeah. it.
0: Was it last week? It was either last week or two weeks ago. It's sort of been, and this is why I've been so busy. It's sort of been a whirlwind process.
1: Right, I can imagine. The library
0: offered to it, it, dude. The library. I don't think I've ever gone from being chilled out at home completely to planning on moving to another house nearly as fast. I mean, okay, I've only bought one house. But still. But I would, su- I would be surprised if many people that I knew had gone this quickly. I mean, I honestly might go from living in my house to living in another house in, a, in like a month.
1: That is nuts. It
0: might be that fast. Maybe a month and a half. Even yeah, so, yeah, we found
1: a house that we... What's up? Even so, from I have yeah. no plans to move ever to living in a new house in a month and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, like I said, it's been kind of a whirlwind. But dude, we found this house. You've seen pictures of it. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, and it's very us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we walked in, and we said, oh yeah, this is this is it. This is the house. We actually, it was kind of at the top end of our price range, but the pictures look so fantastic, right? We almost weren't even going to go see it, but <laughs> we thought to ourselves, you know what? Let's just go see it. It can't possibly be as good as the pictures make it look, and then we'll be able to say, ah, yeah, of course, we're not, we're not going to get this house. Right, you'll have an excuse not to not buy it. It's not nearly as cool it. as it looks. Right, an excuse to not buy it. Well, we show up. And the pictures were totally accurate. Like it's just as good as it looked in the pictures. And so it's a very uh, the vibe matches, man. It's a very it's a very English teacher house. If that makes sense. Well,
1: that's uh, that works for you, yeah. yeah as no, you are totally as makes... we have mentioned an English teacher.
0: Right. It's a it's there's a lot of wood and like wood floors and there's like a stone fireplace. It's very C.S. Lewis. I'm stoked about it. I'm real jazzed. There's not a whole lot else to say about it. I'm just really excited about this house, man. Well, I'm happy for you, dude. Yeah, thanks. The other here's the other thing that I've that I've realized about moving. So obviously I really dig the house that I'm in now. It's a great house. And we had actually planned to stay here for for many more years. But now that I'm leaving, I'm letting myself kind of look around and say. Oh, man, thank goodness I, ever, I never have to worry about fixing that thing.
1: Oh, that has to be so freeing. Like, those it weird is. nagging things that you'd always worried about having to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's stuff that I was like, ah, I really got to get around to fixing X. And now, no, I don't. You know, I'll tell I'm you, I leave it I, I had sort of a similar
1: down. situation a few months ago when I uh, got rid of my old car.
0: Yeah, like, I, think I just realized that similar. I didn't
1: have to get it repaired. Uh, all the little things that have been bothering me. But the weird <laughs> like thing ice. is, is that like for weeks after that, I would still get these weird flashes of, oh, I need to go to the store and buy, you know, X to fix right. the car because there's this one problem that's been nagging me for ages. And I would almost like go out to my car to drive to the store to do it and then realize that I was walking to a different car than the one that had the problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing this is a little weird but the only thing i'm bummed out about is readers or uh listeners rather if you're just joining us you you or you won't know a couple of months ago uh our cat sappho died which is very sad we were super bummed out about it but she's buried like on the property oh and so like she's buried I think it's three and a half feet deep, which is the regulation.
1: That's how deep you have to go.
0: But I'm just... Like, I'm right. Like, moving... that made a
1: lot of sense when you were planning to live in that house for years, but now you're moving right. out and it's getting bulldozed and paved over.
0: Yeah. And so, like, I don't know how deep they go for bulldozing, but I feel like it's maybe deeper than
1: three feet. But if they don't, then she has basically permanently, you know chilled out rest because she just has concrete over her no one's gonna bug her after that
0: so i'm hoping i'm hoping that maybe they don't go three feet deep (laughs) like disturb my poor cat's mortal remains but uh you know it's just it's whatever this is getting weird and macabre but (laughs) that's our first star i'm buying a new house i'm real stoked about it what is our second star of the week
1: Okay, Dave, so our second star of the week is that I had a weird experience on the bus the other day.
0: Nice.
1: I know it's been... Wait. A... No. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a minute. It's been a while since we've had our semi-regular <laughs> sub-feature within our award-winning opening segment, <laughs> uh, Bus Updates. Let's uh, right. uh, just you go ahead and hit that hit that theme music for Bus Updates.
0: Dude, oh, dude, bus okay. Secondary.
1: Updates.
0: Secondary podcast, Matt. It's just just weird bus stories. That's the whole thing. Okay, so. People call
1: in. A call-in re- pre-recorded podcast.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Like
1: that one. There was, a, there was a Mr. Show sketch that was like that. It was a pre-recorded call-in show. And so There's you would have to, to do call it. for, like, the next week's show, it, and it, it just, like, <laughs> got, like, it was hilarious. I'm not going to remember exactly how it was, but look up that old Mr. Show sketch. Anyway. <laughs> Updates! So I'm going to work the other day, get on the bus. Like you do. And normal bus day, you know. Right. Picks me up on time, we get on the highway, we stop off downtown. The first time, though, that the bus pulls to a complete stop to let people off, the bus just Uh stalls out. And we're sitting there for a minute. And when the bus comes back on, there's like an error message reading up on the uh on like the display screen it doesn't say like you know stop requested next stop at whatever intersection it just had some like gobbledygook uh so that <laughs> was like dimensional shift that bus. was disconcerting
0: <laughs> bus has gone to the nether zone
1: but then the bus got you know it got back on rolling i thought everything was cool but every time the bus came to a complete stop it would just shut off again and do the exact same thing like huh. you could turn it was fine you could go you know quick slow whatever It was just when it came to a complete stop that it would shut off. And it was like the world's most boring version of the movie Speed. (laughs) Like, we just need to have some sort of forward momentum. didn't have to be 55 miles an hour. It just needed to not be stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a really super low stakes speed. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Just chillin'. Anyway, so that is my weird bus update of the week. Well,
0: yeah, okay. So what, Matt, is our... Oh, wait, I've got our third star of the Okay, week. Dave, then what is our third star of the week? <laughs> okay, House. Ah, there is There's yes. House. okay. Well, Matt, why don't you actually tell them... I was going to do it. Why don't you tell them about the House since you have actually been there? Well... But-
1: the hofbrauhaus is in munich the original one um right
0: like that's what i mean like the hofbrauhaus yes
1: you know and it's a, it's the- a big old like super old school german beer hall you know like long tables women walking around with pretzels on sticks i mean it was like a, it's like a it's like a tree of pretzels if that makes any sense it's a stick yeah, it's with like a bunch a, of sticks like a stick sticking in like it like bu- yeah yeah it's I might not be describing it properly, but yeah, imagine someone in Lederhosen carrying around a pretzel tree and giant, giant mugs of beer, and you've pretty much got it.
0: Yeah, just to be clear, uh when Matt says old school, he means old school like like fifteen eighty nine is when it was built originally.
1: Yeah, you know, old school. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just I feel like that's there's like old school and there's old school, you know what I'm saying? Right. I just feel like you should specify that this is an almost 500-year-old beer hall. So anyways, there's the original beer hall in Munich, Germany, right? And then outside of that beer hall, like outside of the Hofbrauhaus, there's, I think, like four, right? I don't know how many they're up to now. There's There's not a ton. Like, it's kind of a big deal. There's, like, one in Pittsburgh... There's one in I think Phoenix, Arizona, or something, and then there's one in Cleveland, and they are officially licensed Hofbrauhausen. I don't actually know what the plural is in German, but there are multiple Hofbrauhauses, and they use like the original strains of yeast and like all the same ingredients. And the brewmeisters go to the Hofbrauhaus in Munich to kind of learn how to make, you know, Hofbrauhaus style beer. And, and and you can go, and it's like good German food, and the beer comes in it comes in liters, like it comes in two sizes: half a liter, and a liter.
1: And those liter mugs, I will tell you what, you will get a workout.
0: Yeah, they're like they're. Well, I mean, I would hope so. It's holding a liter of beer. Here's the only problem with a liter of beer, Matt, is that it's only okay. Have I ever told you, this Matt, is that, that it's I've only realized, a liter? Well, no, no, no. That's good. It's good that it's only a liter. Because here's what I've discovered, Matt. I drink, I consume all drinks, almost regardless of size, at the same rate.
1: I have the exact same problem. Particularly if I go to a bar, the first drink I have, no matter what it is, is going to be drank within a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah, but I will drink, like, if I pour myself, like, two fingers of scotch, it will take me the same amount of time to drink that two fingers of scotch as it will take me to drink a Diet Coke as it will take me to drink a liter of beer. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I do it that way. <laughs> and normally, that's fine.
1: Because normally, it's not, start- an, it's not a whole liter <laughs> of beer. Right.
0: Until I start buying liters of beer. And then all of a sudden, you know, you sit down, you eat a pretzel, and in the course of ten minutes, you drink a liter of beer. And they're like, oh, about a beer. And then you order, well, maybe other people don't. I did. You order another liter of beer. It's just, it's maybe too much. I maybe should, <laughs> I maybe should order in half liters?
1: Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> but I feel weird like if I order really a half good. liter there. What's I feel weird if I order a half liter there, like you know. I, know. I feel like I'm getting yeah, the happy yeah, meal version. Yeah, because
0: you want to be you're at the Hofbrauhaus. You don't wanna be like that guy. You just just order the liter. So, anyways, it's really good beer, and they uh, the food is really good. You can get like schnitzel and
1: pretzels. Okay, so here is the one problem with the Cleveland Hofbrauhaus, House, right? Okay, is that they they really try to make it emulate the original Hofbrauhaus. House. All right. And they, on some levels, they succeed. But on other levels, you can really tell it's the Hofbrauhaus in Cleveland. Okay. Like, the colors are all weird and sort of drab looking. Uh, no one looks quite as comfortable in their lederhosen as they should. And also, and here's the big one, <laughs> instead of having a German oompah band sort of playing off in the corner, they have mm-hmm. two people with accordions playing polka music all night. Like, super loud polka music. <laughs>
0: What? Dude, Germans full of, they're uh, rather German. Cleveland, Cleveland's full of Polacks, man. I mean, we're Polish. I know, but like, German from beer hall. We are Polish.
1: And any time a- I've ever been in there, it has only ever been polka music.
0: Listen, I'm sure if you go to the, you know, if you go to the Hofbrauhaus in Munich, I'm sure it's a noob band. If you go to the one in Pittsburgh, because I have been there, that's definitely a noob band, because Pittsburgh is full of Germans. Cleveland's full of Poles. There's a bunch of polls. so they want to listen to Polka.
1: The only I know, Dave, there's a, of a, there's the a lot house. of polls in Cleveland, but they're not playing Polka at the Mexican restaurant, you know?
0: All right, yeah, no, it's fair enough. Dude, I don't know, listen. Like, it uh, seems I'll like listen they, to polka. they committed to listen to polka
1: very hard to 85% of their theme, and then the last, they just decided <laughs> to just go freestyle.
0: It's like, <laughs> Eh, it's close enough. Let's play some polka. The only thing that bums me out about eating at the Hofbrauhaus, man, is that I don't like sauerkraut. And normally I don't care that I don't like sauerkraut, but when I go to the Hofbrauhaus, I'm reminded that I don't like it, and it bums me out. You feel some like, obligation like to like sauerkraut? Yeah. Like, like, if it would be a good place to like sauerkraut, I just don't. I mean, I, I, I like it more than I used to. Like, I'm working on it. Because whenever there's a food I don't like, I try to learn to like it. You know? Sure, you're an explorer. Right. I'm an explorer. I don't want the pleasure of sauerkraut to be forever denied to me. So I'm working on it. I'm just not there.
1: Uh, Yeah. Dave, if you want to follow the Matt J rule of this is how you learn to like sauerkraut, here's what you do. You go to a foreign country. Let's say France. You go to a German restaurant. You okay. order what you think is sausage and potatoes, but what is in fact a little bit of sausage and potatoes sitting on top of a giant crock of nothing but sauerkraut because your French is not quite good enough to read the menu properly. <laughs> okay. And then you're so embarrassed about the whole thing that you decide you're going to eat the whole thing anyway. And then by the end of that, you will probably like sauerkraut. That's like a really elaborate plan. Hey, man, it worked for me. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
0: so Hoffman House And the House is kind of expensive. Like, it's a little bit pricey.
1: It is. But you, you're drinking you, liters you pay, of beer? You, you pay the money price. You pay the human price. Uh, yeah. Because you're not the same afterwards. You no. might never be the same. <laughs> so
0: what, Matt? Leaders of Side, what is our uh, fourth star of the week?
1: Our uh, fourth star of the week, Dave, is that I am reading a new book. Okay. Okay, it's, it is not a new book. It is a book that was published in 1970, but it is a book that I have never read before, and it is the first in a series that I also have never read before. Okay. So. It is? And it is Swords and Deviltry. Uh,
0: that title seems like it should be really familiar, and it's not. I'm probably going to be embarrassed. Okay,
1: it is the first book of the, uh, uh, Fafford and the Gray Mouser
0: oh, by dude. Franz Labor,
1: or Fritz Lieber. Dude, I, I've never read those books. Neither have I, and honestly, I had never heard of them. I don't know how. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay, I've heard of them at least, which actually makes me worse,
1: possibly. Oh, yeah, because pretty much as soon as I heard about it... I said, well, that seems like something I need to read. I was listening to... What was I listening to? I was listening to... I think it was... Yes. It was an episode of War Rocket Ajax. And they were talking about a uh, adaptation of one of the uh, Fafnir and the Grey Mauser stories that Mike Mignola had done. Okay. And they were describing the story. And I was like, oh, well, I need to read these books then. Because apparently they are like... Weird, drunken, screwball buddy cop or like buddy thief versions of Conan. Okay, no, that's awesome. Um, and so I went out and bought it, and I've been reading it, and it's great. I totally recommend it. Um, it you know, it's weird. Well, let me, it's one uh, of those. Well, it it's one of those things that when I was younger, I thought that D and D or Dungeons and Dragons was basically just you know you add dice to some Tolkien to get Dungeons and Dragons. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that there is also a lot of Conan in that game, and, and apparently yeah. also a lot of Fritz Labor. And so oh, uh, I am right really enjoying it, and also really wanting to play some Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Dude, I love Dungeons & Dragons. Like, we've been playing other games recently. I love Dungeons & Dragons. Fifth Edition is out. I really want to play it. I was actually just reading the Dungeon Master's Guide, like, this morning, just for funsies. And it's, ah, Dungeons & Dragons, man. I want to have a barbarian with an axe, and I'm going to, like, have rage powers. It's going to be great. Oh, it's the classic. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll play some Dungeons & Dragons sometime soon. So,
1: Dave, that is our four-star. What is mm-hmm. our fifth star?
0: Fifth star of the week, Matt, is a follow-up to something we were talking about last week. We did go and see Ant-Man. Yes. And it was great. Yes, we did. Like, it was super great.
1: It was astonishing. I
0: expected Okay, I expected it to be great. I've I got pretty strong faith at this point in the Marvel-slash-Disney machine, as we've discussed in the past. Like, they know what we want. I want superheroes doing crazy superhero stuff. And Disney says, sure, you can have that. People keep writing articles about how it's never going to work, and it's going to fail, and those people are dumb, and the movies are great.
1: I'm trying to think was great. it was great. I'm trying to think of things that we can say about it that aren't spoilers because it's only been out for like a week. Okay. So, okay, here here is what I think we can say. First of all, Go I think it. it succeeds as a movie much in the same way that the first Iron Man movie succeeded.
0: I Okay, I think i see like, where you're going with It's that. on
1: a different scale, but it that is the yeah, movie definitely. that it seems most similar to. Like, it takes what is... Like, it really has to sell you a lot on the concept. Because, like, the first Iron Man movie didn't have the whole machine behind it. So it really had to sell you on the idea that, like, here is a guy, he puts, like, a, you know, a reactor in his chest, and he has a robot suit that he uses to fight another dude in a robot suit. Like, you know, now that seems totally normal, because... You know, because that that guy has now been in, like, five movies. But at the time, that was sort of a big buy-in for the audience. And I feel like Ant-Man had to do that same kind of work just because he's Ant-Man. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Right. Who's ever... I mean, you and I, obviously, and a bunch of other people. But Ant-Man is not known to the public at large, I would say. The other thing that I really dug about it is there's... There's two main characters, kind of. There's Hank Pym and there's Scott Lang. And if you don't know anything about the comics, Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man from, you know, back in like the 60s. And later, Scott Lang takes over the kind of mantle of the Ant-Man. And so I was a little concerned from the previews that Scott Lang was really going to be like super definitely the main character and Hank Pym was going to be kind of a side thing. But I think they did a fantastic job creating the mythology of the Ant-Man in just one movie. Does
1: that make sense? No, they did. it's absolutely true. They yeah. created a like a legacy superhero in one movie <laughs> in one without movie? really giving you much of the background. Yeah,
0: it was fantastic. I thought the characters were super fun. There is uh there is one character who is really reminiscent of our friend Ben. Kind of weirdly so.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And another thing about this movie is, like, that character and a couple of the other ones, like, that is a genuinely funny movie.
0: Yeah. It's genuinely funny and a great, great supporting cast.
1: Yeah. Like, it was not
0: just Paul Rudd. As much as I love Paul Rudd, and I do, it wasn't just Paul Rudd up there as the Ant-Man. Like, everybody around him, I think, was really pulling their weight. Yeah. It was a great, great movie. I I definitely recommend it. The
1: one thing I will say uh that i wish had been different is that there is a and i won't say what it is but there Uh is a uh, thing that happens in the post credits uh stinger you know
0: oh yeah we were talking about this
1: and that was great and i really liked it but i think the movie would have been better if that scene had taken place like two-thirds of the way through the movie
0: yeah, no, 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 I definitely agree. I think... So if, if you've, if you've so already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Thing, and desperate's the wrong
1: word. Uh, if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you go and see it, you will know what I'm talking about. But yeah, if that had happened like half an hour earlier, then I think that movie would have been even better.
0: Yeah, would have been fantastic. Not that it wasn't great as it is. So anyways, man, those are... Those? Those. Those are our fifthest stars. <laughs> Ah, uh, that was terrible. Anyways, those are our five stars for the week.
1: Yes. So, now we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 45, Disbanding for Real, <laughs> and then we will be right back. I still don't believe them. <laughs> what are you going to learn to trust them, Dave? <laughs> I
0: don't know. Maybe after this episode. All right. Okay. We'll be back
1: in a minute. Okay. Welcome back. So, we've just finished watching episode 45, and Dave... What just happened? Uh, What just happened, Matt, is
0: that things got turned to 11. That's what just happened. Yeah, things got (laughs) roll. Did you say things got roll? Roll, roll. (laughs) Things got roll, roll. (laughs) Okay, so in this episode, Doshikaku formally rejoins the Goma tribe, disbands the rangers, and seemingly puts into place some plan. Like, Doshikaku is working some angle. We don't know what it is yet. And he's not telling anybody. He's playing his cards very close to his vest, but we'll sort of see that as the episode plays out. And then we introduce a new monster, slash lieutenant, and it ends on... I I think I feel pretty confident, Matt, in saying that every episode from here on out is just going to end in a cliffhanger. Is that fair? Yeah.
1: This is the... So we just finished up the co-stuff. This is the first episode of the last Like, this is the finale, right? Yeah. Like, this is the beginning of the finale. From this point on... That's just what we're doing. We're on the end game. We've gotten on the train. You know, last stop.
0: Yeah. No, dude. I am like, I'm psyched. I'm really excited about it. I'm. I can't wait to see how this whole thing plays out.
1: So. You are not going to believe it. So, <laughs> okay. okay. So, so we open up with a quick recap. It says, you know, hey, remember last week? Co got back together with his mom, and then his mom died. Right. And then. Uh, kaku was going back to the goma and so we get a little recap of that with kaku talking to shadam about how he's the chief of staff now i don't actually know what this chief of staff role entails yeah it's not because it sounds it, it, it sounds at the same time like very much like it's something that's in charge and also like one step up from a secretary It is entirely possible that the people watching this show, like the Japanese people, would know that term, whatever it was, and then it means something very specific over there. It Um, it really
0: sounds like Chief of Staff is like the Goma second-in-command. And that definitely seems, because later on in the episode, we will see uh, Kaku interacting with Shadam just a little bit, and with some other Goma, and they all, Shadam isn't happy about it. But he definitely seems deferential, at least on some level. You know what I mean? Like he does not walk up to Kaku and start throwing his weight around. He recognizes that Kaku is at least his equal and possibly his superior.
1: So, you know what I'm going to say, and this is just the assumption I'm going to have going forward, is that basically, like you know, the emperor is the emperor, but Kaku is like the prime minister or something. Yeah, that's like something seems, along those lines. Yeah,
0: that seems pretty accurate.
1: Like, he's not the person in charge, but he's this person sort of bureaucratically in charge of, like, one arm of it. He's high up there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, bureaucratically and also with kung fu. Because. Yes. Bureaucratic God, kung right? fu. Because, <laughs> so we're getting kung fu. So, we open up. First scene of this episode, we see Rin running towards... Murder Basement. Like, we got a broad shot of the building that is on top of Murder Basement. We have no idea what
1: this building is. We are still episodes I don't know what that is a basement of.
0: Whatever it is, it's got to be a public building. Because the Rangers just walk into it.
1: I wonder if it's like a train station.
0: That would make sense. Because it's definitely, like, Murder Basement is definitely a basement. Like, it's down in some space. So, we see Rin. She's running towards that. Uh, she meets up with Shoji, and she is, ex- you know, she's just surprised about something. She is concerned and nervous. We don't know exactly what it was. I mean, but we would assume that, you know, they don't know where Kaku is, and things are all very
1: weird. So, it- so they go to murder basement. They go down the stairs to where it's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's not there. There's just a big brick wall where there used to be the entrance to their headquarters.
0: Right. They can't, yeah, they kind of can't figure out what's going on because it's always just been there. I do get a kick out of the fact that their super secret headquarters apparently was not hidden, like, from anybody else. Like the door right. was just like there. it was
1: sort of hidden, but it was only hidden like before the beginning of the series and right now. Like there is a secret door to open it. But yeah. despite the fact that they have been the Die Rangers for almost an entire year, they do not know where like the hidden switch is to get into their own headquarters. Right.
0: Which means that the door just had to be there. Like it was just sitting just hanging out. out. It was yeah, like it <laughs> the hidden door wasn't in hidden mode. So maybe Kaku was just counting on the fact that maybe nobody wanted to go to the basement of this
1: building. And honestly, if you look at the Die Rangers' headquarters, most of the time, like it's got some stuff in there, but it's not like some—it's not like the inside of the TARDIS or anything, you know? Yeah, man, this is it's not the mostly back page. just a basement. Like if somebody found it, they'd be like, "Well, there's a." pedestal over there and that weird pile of sand and that's pretty much it
0: well yeah but like remember there's one room there's like swinging orbs and there's like kung fu weapons sitting all over the place
1: but anyways
0: so the point is is that the rangers cannot get into their secret base we also find out in this scene that kaku has not given the rangers any information whatsoever
1: Surprise, surprise. Because if you recall, he never told them, hey, I'm a Goma and I'm going to go back. That's the deal of the ceasefire. He just said, here's the sword. Go save Ko. See you never. (laughs) Right. So
0: Kaku, true to form, has not actually told them to disband. He has just
1: left. Like, he's just gone. So speaking of Kaku... We cut to Kaku, who is sort of standing on a little hill... Right. ...looking at the murder basement building.
0: There's a scene. He's looking into the sunset. It's very dramatic.
1: And he's saying, like, you know, forgive me, guys, but I can't return to you. This is just the way it has to be. And we get this series of five flashbacks, one for each of the Rangers, where it shows an old episode of that person fighting a monster... And then you get, like, this nice little moment of basically just their headshot. They're just smiling and waving in his memory.
0: (laughs) Right. And everybody's is just sort of normal, except Shoji, who looks into the camera, smiles, and then puts his fingers into his, like, cheek dimples. (laughs) It's like, that's a move I've seen somewhere before, but it's like a very classically, it's like a Shirley Temple
1: move. Like, everybody else
0: is fine, and Shoji pulls a Shirley Temple. And what's really funny about it
1: is that in this whole episode, everyone is extremely grim. So this is the only moment in the episode where you see these (laughs) actors being jovial. Right.
0: Oh, and then- uh, And Shoji
1: just hams it up. So we
0: see all of the rangers in this little thing. We catch, like, a quick glimpse of them fighting kind of one of their monsters- you know, from a from a That Ranger-specific episode, Fighting the Monster. For Rin, we do see when uh, the Kabuki boy... Pos- Remember when Kabuki boy possessed that murder bot? Yes. Dude, I kind of want to go back and just watch that episode. Dude, uh, that was
1: a good one. It was.
0: Went- <laughs> great. So anyways, Sokaku sort of finishes this reminiscence and some guy kind of teleports in wearing what looks like a boxing robe that's the only way like it's like a satin bathrobe is all i can describe it as
1: yes and when we get a longer shot of it later i think he's also wearing like purple satin genie pants yeah
0: yeah i think maybe he is
1: it is a again gomas all have a real bold look (laughs) anyway so this guy is first lieutenant sherryu
0: yeah and he walks up and he says, ah, Kanku, you know, you reminiscing about the rangers disbanding. It's got to be really tough abandoning your pupils like that. I totally understand. You know, this this is a hard time for you, but, you know, we really have to get started. Which is kind of weirdly friendly and supportive for a Goma.
1: Okay, so now here's the thing that I feel like we're going to see in this episode and sort of going forward. Uh-huh. Because... Something else that he says is, listen, I know this sucks for you, but don't forget about us. Because we, like a bunch of us Goma, have been waiting for you to return. Yeah. Because you are the only one that can get Shottam in line because you have royal blood. So this
0: is something I'm wondering all of a sudden. Are the Goma not actually, like, crazy and evil, and it's just Goma the 15th is a terrible king?
1: See, that's the thing. I think that's what it is, is the Goma aren't inherently evil any more than the Dai Tribe are inherently good. Because remember, you know, Garo is of the Dai Tribe right. and she's evil. And so what we're seeing, like, now super late in the series is just a continuing fleshing out of how weirdly nuanced the Goma are. Yeah, well,
0: because Because, this guy is like,
1: you know, he in just a second is going to turn into a weird monster. Like, he is totally 100% Goma, but he seems like a totally cool dude. Yeah. This is,
0: well, this is very weird, though, because it has been told to us before, like, oh, yeah, the Goma are fed by hatred and all of this stuff but maybe that is a hundred percent cultural and that's maybe. just like I had been honestly I had just assumed they were like oh yeah the gomar fed by hate great they're monsters that's kind of how they gather Yoryoku
1: and turn it to like the destruction of humanity or maybe it's that they're fed by hate but it's not necessarily bad like maybe kaku is fueled by his hatred of evil I don't know I don't know, and so like this he's a super lot more strong. Going on <laughs> with the anyway,
0: coma, the coma that yes. we have initially been led to believe.
1: So Kaku turns to this first lieutenant Shiryu and he says, "Are the preparations complete?" First lieutenant says, "Yes, we're ready to go. Time to you know activate Plan Alpha or whatever it is." Yeah, says. they, d- they, they he- never actually say what the plan is or what its purpose is. It's just the plan. So he transforms into his monster form. Which is just like a big armored dude. He doesn't look like a monster version of a. It looks super cool. He looks like He's a Iron very Man, cool look. kind of. Yeah, he's like he's not a monster version of a different thing. He's not like a weird microphone or a bird cage or a mirror or anything. He's just a yeah. dude in an awesome looking armored suit.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. That's yeah, true. He looks super cool. <laughs> it's
1: a good look.
0: Yeah, so he transforms, and then he just kind of. Fades out, right? He just telephones. Yeah, he's to got go this do... big
1: staff thing.
0: Yeah. So we, which cut... is going to
1: become very important in a minute.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so we cut to Kazu and Shoji just kind of wandering the streets of Tokyo. I think they're out looking for Kaku. Is the idea? Yes. So as they're walking around, they hear a whole bunch of people screaming. They sort of run to the source of the screaming. And there are people running out of, I don't know, maybe like a subway or something. And this lieutenant, Lieutenant Shiryu, is just walking behind them. Interesting note, Shiryu is not actually attacking anyone. He's just walking
1: down the street. Yes. He's just a monster dude carrying like a big staff thing, walking down the street very determinedly. Yeah.
0: So Shoji and Kaku, Kazu rather... They, you know, message the rest of the rangers, the other rangers run in, they tension, and they go to
1: attack Lieutenant Shiryu,
0: who does not care at all.
1: Yeah, no, it is like, (laughs) Like, it's like Spider-Man trying to stop the juggernaut, you know? Yeah, dude. Like, they're doing a bunch of stuff to try to stop him, but he does not even, like, break his stride.
0: He is carrying, so he's carrying this staff over one shoulder, and he is just using his single other hand to defeat all five rangers in a row. Like, they all run at him, and he just kind of slaps them out of the way. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so he gets to, like, the base of this building, yeah. stops, jumps to the top of the building, takes his staff, and plants it in the roof.
0: Right. And it turns out what it is, is it some sort of... And the rangers follow him. And, it, and when they get close, he kind of blasts them with Yoriyoku... And I forget which one of the rangers says it, but they say, oh, that rod is gathering Yoriyoku from the atmosphere, I guess, and amplifying it. So whatever this rod is, it's some sort of goma power amplification, like, resonator or something. Yes. So they say, we're going to take this thing out. We have to. Kiriyoku Bomber.
1: And so they pull out their old finishing move. They throw the giant chi fireball. But before it hits, another guy shows up, a dude in this like sweet red armor. Yeah, a it's
0: cape. real slick looking.
1: It's got a full face mask that just has one big eyeball in the center of it because all the goma have one big eyeball somewhere. It's a thing. Um, so- and he just knocks it away with one hand.
0: He <laughs> just backhands the Kiryoku bomber out of the way. And then, I think you can guess where this is going, the guy pulls the mask off, and it's Doshikaku.
1: Yes, this is his, like, Goma battle armor.
0: Right. And, guys, I know that we're talking about how cool these monsters look. It looks really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not really getting it from the audio podcast format here, but just go look it up sometime. worth looking up.
0: Just check it out. Okay. So, this is where he finally formally disbands the rangers
1: yeah he tells them all of this stuff he's like listen um you guys all have to disband i am doing this thing now do not interfere with it and that's it like yeah. ryu go back to trying to make the best dumplings in the world shoji yeah. become the boxing champ this is daigo he does. love animals
0: he just says, uh, go back to your lives.
1: Yeah, you Which know, I like really Kaku, no, not Kaku, Kazu, you know, become the best beauty artist in the world, and Rin, just go back to college. <laughs> get out of here.
0: Which is, did Rin drop out of college? Like, I, guess I mean, she we haven't have. seen her
1: gone to any classes recently. Well, she okay, did earlier, enough. but uh, I don't think we've seen her in college since uh, the Lipstick stong stress. Okay,
0: so this is the first place where we get this vibe That, at least I do, that there's something else going on. Like, Kaku seems to have some sort of hidden agenda. We don't know what it is. Okay.
1: Now, I've got a few issues with things that have been going on in this episode, and I feel like now is a good time to address it.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: So, there's no, there's literally no reason if he has an agenda for him to not tell the Rangers what that agenda is. I know he has always been infuriatingly vague. But this is a very important moment in all of their lives, and I feel like he could just give them a little something. Just a little.:
0: Well, maybe. all right.
1: Doshikaku,
0: he knows the Rangers pretty well, right?: Right? This I th- OK, this is what makes me think that he is, has something else going on aside from the fact that it would sort of make narrative sense. What he's telling the rangers to do is kind of antithetical to how they sort of roll, right? He's like, oh yeah, just stop, kind of give up, go back to your lives, it'll be fine. Like, just do what you're told. And I feel like he has to know that they're not going to do that. So I think what Kaku is doing is sort of manipulating events to elicit particular responses from the rangers. And I think that, he's doing... that Because I think he's, he's... Like I said, he's playing his cards very close to his vest here. And I think... I'm going to disagree with you, actually. I don't think he can tell the rangers. Because I think it, it's one of those things that... Like, he can be the only person who actually knows what's going on. You see what I'm saying?
1: Okay. I'll give you that. Here's the... Other thing that's been bothering me. Okay. Do you remember how we were saying that First Lieutenant Shiryu was not attacking anyone? Yeah. And But people were just running away screaming from him? Mm-hmm. Do you know how he could have just avoided that entirely and done this whole thing in peace?
0: If he just teleported to where he wanted to go in the first place?
1: Yeah, or if he hadn't transformed into his giant monster form. Like, he has not needed that giant monster form. All he needed to do was go from point A to point B and plant a staff. That's it. Like, the only reason they are in a fight at all is because he decided, I'm going to put on my walking shoes.
0: No, man. Again, I think that this is... Okay, I actually think Shiryu is in on this with Kaku. I think he might be the only other guy who sort of, like, knows kind of what the plan is. And I think this whole thing is calculated. This is my theory. I think everything that they're doing is on purpose. Like... He could have done that, but Doshikaku wanted the Rangers to know where this amplifier rod was. He wanted them to know like what the deal was with it. So I think I think this is going to turn out I mean you obviously know you've seen the whole show but my theory is is that this is all on purpose that Shiri in on it and that Doshikaku is kind of playing both sides of the fence here. or no he's not playing both sides of the fence. he is still secretly on the ty- side of the die Rangers but he Can't admit it. This is my theory. So, moving on. Okay. So, we cut away from there. Like, Doshikaku and uh, Lieutenant Shiryu, I think they just teleport away, right? Yep. Okay. So, then we cut away. We're back to Rin's place. And the Rangers are like furious. Like, they're fury confused.
1: I'm sure yeah, there's like a portmanteau that, that could sad be. Sad anger. There. Like, I don't know, they're sulking, is what they're doing. Yeah, they're just, they're really sulky. They're sulking like a
0: whiny baby. Oh, oh, this is actually something I forgot to mention, is that Kaku tells them, hey, you guys are disbanding because I've set up the ceasefire, and the Goma are not going to attack Earth anymore. Like, Earth is now officially safe from the Goma, they're not going to do anything. Right. So, back to Rin's Place. <laughs> the Rangers are like, how could Doshikaku do this? How could he disband the Die Rangers? It's like, guys, if if the Goma aren't attacking anymore,
1: do you? Then you basically won. Like, you won. like that's the entire point of this show is to keep the Earth <laughs> right, safe like from the Goma. If they do that, then you just won five episodes early. Take a quick, like you know, take a long lunch today. You're good. Yeah, you earned it. You're
0: good. Take a walk on the beach grab some ice cream. I'm just trying to think about things that I know the Rangers like doing. But
1: Get yeah, some but, like, tea. But they refuse to Walk accept Walk out on this. your bill. Yeah, and so they're trying to figure out what Kaku's game is because they feel like they have the same sense that you do, Dave, is that Kaku is running some sort of angle. Yeah. And they can't figure out what it is. Uh, right. They're sort of reiterating their bits from the other episode about how, oh my gosh, we used to trust him implicitly. What's going on? And eventually, after enough complaining, basically, Ryu says, okay, we need to do something. Yeah, like, we gotta get this sorted
0: out. So he sort of says, like, you guys go do this. You know, we're gonna go do this. Cameo and co, you stay here. And in a move that I don't think has been foreshadowed, like, at all, (laughs) Shoji, she gets weirdly angry about Ryu issuing orders, despite the fact that Ryu is very clearly the leader of the Die Rangers and has been since like episode one.
1: Yes, well, I mean, kind of. Like he is the field leader, but like he is in charge of the Die Rangers the same way that Cyclops, like teenage Cyclops, used to be in charge of the X Men. Like he's in charge when they're doing stuff, but he is not the guy like making all the like making all the game plans. Okay, right. Yeah, like they have a over leader. You know, basically, Kaku is their Professor X. In the both right. in that he is ultimately in charge, and that he's sort of a crummy dude.
0: It's <laughs> needlessly enigmatic and yeah. manipulative. Okay, yeah, because Shoji says, "Is like, oh, now that Kaku's gone, Ryu thinks he can throw his weight around."
1: Which, again, Shoji, it like it hey, just man. seems weird. Shouji, he's just dealing with some stuff right now. <laughs> and got, so Ryu starts to like, you know, get his hackles up about it. And Daigo and Rin say like, guys, come on. Like, come on. Chill.
0: We're all we're cool here. We're all good. We need to work cool. together. And then they just sort of they sort of leave. Oh, Ko says, because Ko and Camer said are told, you guys stay here. We will radio you like if we need backup. Co's right. not happy about that, and Ryu's <laughs> like, do what you're told. You just you're a kid. What the heck do you know?
1: Okay, there so... was another weird moment in this when they were talking about disbanding and how they really didn't want to do it, and Co brought up the really excellent point that last episode his mother's dying wish was for him to be a die ranger and do his best all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, no, she just said to never give up, and now I have to give up? This is very upsetting. I'm 10 years old. <laughs> I am not equipped to deal with this.
0: Okay, I'm not, so. I don't have the psychological development
1: to make this happen. No, he's only like, you know, <laughs> eight years, or, you know, eight or nine years out of just getting object permanence. <laughs> you know? Anyway. So, okay, so we cut away. Yeah, so Daigo and Kazu and Rin go back to uh, murder basement to try to figure out how to get back in. Right. And They're sh-
0: actually. Hold up, Matt. You uh, you skipped a little bit. We do. There's a quick scene in Goma headquarters. Oh yes, yeah. So we cut to Goma headquarters, which I realize we have no idea where Goma headquarters actually is.
1: No, I have no idea. I am still not hundred percent convinced that it exists on the same like dimensional plane as the rest of Earth. You know,
0: I was actually just gonna say that. I think this place probably exists in some like weird extra-dimensional null space. Because if we haven't mentioned it before, Goma headquarters is just a giant floating pyramid with an eye carved on it. Like an upside down Illuminati thing.
1: Yeah, and but we it's just see, like, the size you know, of a pyramid. Characters can come and go from there. But it's only ever, like, the Goma or Daijin Ryu. And I imagine that Daijin Ryu can go wherever he wants, no matter what dimension.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, you would notice this thing. Like, it is not subtle.
1: Oh, and by the way, uh, Goma Palace now has some battle damage. Oh, that yeah, That pyramid that's right. is missing one of its quarters.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's, like a secondary, it's like a secondary toy. You could buy Goma Headquarters, and then you can buy battle damage Goma Headquarters. They probably didn't sell that as a toy, but they should
1: have. They absolutely should have. <laughs> dude, <laughs> so, it was the '90s. Everybody was crazy for battle damage.
0: Dude, uh, it's very toyetic. So we see it. We zoom in. We see Dojikaku, and he is talking to Lieutenant Shiriu, and he says, "The plan must go forward. Like, do your thing. If the Rangers interfere, eliminate them." So maybe Shiryu actually isn't in on the plan.
1: And Shiriu is like, "Wow, that is a uh, that is a tough call." Cocky, yeah, but that's, uh, I will. Tomorrow. I'll do it. I'll do the plan. I will die for the plan if necessary. I love this plan. <laughs> she, I'm happy to be a part of say, it.
0: He's like, I will lay my life down to make this happen, which is a big jump.
1: Hey man, he's he is walking into the jaws of having to fight the Die Rangers. And if you will remember, the Die Rangers have murdered about uh, I don't know, 44 of his buddies.
0: Okay, that's true, but he did literally just one-hand their entire team. That's so true. Eh. All right. So Lieutenant Shiryu bugs out, Shotem shows up. And he says, basically, when are you going to keep your promise? You said that you would disband the Die Rangers, and they do not look like they are disbanded.
1: And Kaku basically says, "Listen, I told them to disband. I came back here, and those guys suck, and they can't do anything without me. So, <laughs> like, says- just give them like a day, and they will give up."
0: <laughs> Which again makes me feel like he's got like a secret thing going because that is some that is harsh. That
1: is harsh. Dude, did to you say remember about how mean that dude is to the Die Rangers? That's
0: true because he does. He's like these guys are schlebs. There's they, these are that I think specifically what he says is these are the kind of guys who can't do anything without me. Just give it like 24 hours. It's not a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Sh- and one thing that Shattem does say in this scene after the first lieutenant leaves he- is that he says. Now that you're back, all of these docile guys are suddenly active. Which goes back to our point earlier, which yeah. is that not all the Goma are evil, but the ones who are less evil, or not evil at all, as the case may be, We're have been chilling. so sort of thoroughly beaten down by the rest of their society, they've just been hanging out.
0: Yeah, okay. So this is another this is another weird thing, because Shotham says... Well we're not attacking Earth anymore, but we're only not attacking Earth because you promised that the Die Rangers would disband. Which is weird, because the like the Die Rangers only existed because the Goma were attacking Earth, but Goma, if you're not attacking Earth anymore,
1: why do you care if the Die Rangers exist? You know, it is a very good question. Because all <laughs> right. he needs to do to make sure that the Die Rangers never transform into the Die Rangers again is to not attack Earth. Because it's not right. like the Die Rangers were fighting other people.
0: <laughs> exactly. This is like a weird Okay. This is like a weirdly good I wonder if this is like some social commentary, actually. Like is is Die Ranger this deep that they're making some commentary on like war in general? Because literally the only reason that these guys Like, neither one wants to disarm, right, I guess? But they only need to be armed because of the other guys.
1: Yeah, and Shadam is basically willing to play chicken with Daishin Ryu, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's like,
0: guys, no, you don't understand. If we don't stop fighting, Daishin Ryu will destroy the planet. Like, this guy is not messing around.
1: Okay. So that thoroughly confusing conversation over.
0: We jump back to the Die Rangers down in Murder Basement, and they're trying to find
1: like the way into their secret headquarters. And so they're just sort of like tapping on bricks. Like, man, one of these has to be a secret <laughs> brick. And sure enough, <laughs> one of them is a secret brick. Daigo finds it. It's great that it is because they're approaching this like children. They're literally just standing there and like tapping a wall. <laughs> they're like, uh, we're pretty sure this is how secret doors work. Just tap on it until maybe something happens. It does work. It opens up and they walk in to find the place has been cleared out. Yeah. Like everything is gone. Except, except... in a back room, they find their motorcycles.
0: Yes. The motorcycles, by the way, are apparently called (laughs) Keep-A-Go. Why wouldn't they be? I don't know. This has never been said before, ever. And and just walks up she's like, oh great, Keep-A-Go. The Keep-A-Go are still here. We're just left to kind of guess from context that she's talking about the bikes.
1: And so then they say, well, why would he just leave these? There must be a plan. And I think it would be hilarious if there, like, if there actually wasn't a plan, and he just totally forgot to move them because they were like, in a back room and they were like awkward yeah, to get out.
0: Bulky. Who cares? Like, it's fine. Okay, so we jump away from there, and we see Ryu and Shoji. They are up on the roof by the amplifier staffy thing.
1: Yeah, because they were going up there to sort of observe it and try to figure out what the plan was with this thing.
0: <laughs> right. They have So they have no idea how it works. They have no idea what it's doing or why it's there. I mean, they know, I'm sorry, they know what it's doing. It's like a Yoriyuki amplifier. But they don't know why it's there, specifically, like, what it's doing at this moment. Shoji's like, I'm just going to touch it.
1: Like, that's his yeah. plan. Because Shoji, you will note, is not a master tactician. Right. Apparently Shoji's a LARPer,
0: because that's also how LARPers deal with things. Like, what's that? I don't know. I'm going to touch it.
1: So, so he, he goes does. over and touches it, uh, and is immediately, like, blown up by a <laughs> lightning blast of Yoriyoku.
0: <laughs> and he's, like, really surprised about it. Um, so Ryu runs over, and he says, Ah, you know, Shoji, are you okay? How's this going? You know, like, and Shoji is fine, as it turns out. Maybe slightly worse for wear, but he's not, like, dead.
1: And so they go to the edge of the building, and they're looking over the ledge, and they see people start to, like, scream and run away. And they see basically the same thing that they had seen earlier in the episode, which is uh, First Lieutenant Shiryu walking on his leisurely pace, (laughs) holding on to a new staff, and he is sort of walking somewhere. Uh, he's, uh, you may notice, Dave at some point, he is walking through the docks.
0: <laughs> it just, it's great because he's on the streets, and then the next time we see him, he's very clearly walking through a shipyard. It's nice, it's nice that some things are consistent, Matt. In the mixed- up, crazy world that is the finale of <laughs> Die Ranger, at least it still takes place in the same like three locations.
1: It's nice to have that sort of consistency. It's like a warm <laughs> blanket. <laughs> anyway, <Right>. so uh, <laughs> Ryu and Shoji start following him. They don't attack him. They, they message the other Dai Rangers who all show up, right. and they're just following after. They're like, why Why are we not h- kicking this guy? I mean, that's that's our one move. Like, we find we a monster do, right? and we kick it.
0: And Ryu surprisingly says, listen, Doshikaku told us not to interfere. I don't know what's going on, but let's...
1: Like yeah, let's until, listen to Until Doshikaku. we have this figured out, let's yeah. not attack this dude. Let's right. just watch him and see where he goes.
0: Because again, the lieutenant is not attacking anyone. He's literally just walking with the staff. So, as they're following him, they see police cars start to come up and the lieutenant is suddenly surrounded by police cars. The rangers kind of duck behind some I don't know, some I-beams or something. I don't remember. And the cops pull out, uh, you know, like, they, they get out of the car, they pull their guns, they're like, stop where you are, or we'll fire, Lieutenant, again.
1: <laughs> just, Does not stop. They all try to shoot at, at, at him. The, the bullets just bounce off, and then he zaps them all with lasers and keeps walking. Right. Shoji, I think it's Shoji, right? Turns yeah, Shoji's Ryu. the one who leads the charge on this one. Yeah,
0: he is furious. He says, Ryu. Can you let, like, are we just going to stand by and watch this dude attack the police? Which, again, Shoji, guy was not doing anything. The police did just shoot him.
1: That's but they, true. But, but, I mean, they have been pretty well conditioned to not trust Goma, especially ones who are attacking policemen. Right. That's fair. So. So. They say, okay, no. Like, this is unforgivable, clearly. Uh, it is time for Action.
0: We see Ryu's hand in it, like, does a trembly clench into a fist. And then he says, everyone, tension da! So they all tension da. And
1: good so, yeah, they all start to fight. And uh, it's not really going any better for it this <laughs> time than they did last time. <laughs> They're not
0: having any more luck. Okay, <laughs> still... so,
1: cut to Ko's apartment. Not Ko's Rin's apartment. apartment. Rin's well, I mean, apartment. Ko kind of Ko Ko lives there. I mean, he clearly doesn't live anywhere else. Right. So he,
0: I guess he, like, hears it happening over his aura changer or something. We don't actually know how he knows what's happening. But he does. And
1: yeah, and he's like, I have got to go help them.
0: Right. And Cameo is trying to restrain him. He says, no, Ryu told us we're going to stay here. And Ko's like, no, I have to go be the Keeper Ranger and fight. So Ko runs out. Cameo follows him, they are on their
1: way to the shipyard, I guess. When and all of a sudden, who right. do they bump into but Doshikaku? Yeah, he kinda
0: of, he just like steps out from behind a tree.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because I mean, he's wearing this giant red armor, and the tree is standing behind. Is not that big, <laughs> and so I'm <laughs> sure that if we had actually seen the angle on the camera, we could have seen like his huge foam pauldrons sticking out on either side. <laughs>
0: so they run into Kaku, and he just says, like schoolyard bully style, "Give me, give me your tenpo rai rai jewels. Give him, hand him over."
1: And they say, "No, thank you." Well, uh, <laughs> that's not true.
0: Cameo just says. Uh, oh, okay, and he just gives it to him. Like, he does it, there's no resistance from Cameo.
1: Ko, on the other Ko, hand, is
0: yeah. he's
1: he's like, says, no, 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 I'll never do it. And, <laughs> and then Kaku just reaches into his, like, reaches into Ko's pocket and pulls it out.
0: <laughs> right, Ko's, like, trying to fight back, and Kaku's just, like, lifting him up by one arm and reaching in his pocket and stealing his stuff. And then he says, uh, give me a kiba changer, too. Give me, give me that as well. <laughs> And Ko tries to fight back, and it's Kaku. Like, Ko is a 10-year-old, right. and Kaku is the Koba chief of staff. He stands no chance.
1: So, And that's that's pretty much the episode. We cut back to the docks, and we're sort of watching the fight unfold. But the episode ends mid-fight.
0: Kind of. There's a little bit more. The only thing that, that we kind of haven't gotten to yet is that Shiryu looks at the other rangers, and he says... Do you guys, like, what are you doing? Don't you remember? Doshikaku told you not to interfere. Like, you need to stop.
1: So oh, yeah. Not. Like, you are his followers. Why are you... Follow him. Yeah. Like, you gotta trust this? him on this.
0: Which makes, I mean, it's, it's... This is what makes me think that maybe Shiryu is in on the plan. He is very clearly restraining himself. The Dairages are not a match for Lieutenant Shiryu. Clearly. No. And so the fact that he's sort of just kind of gently knocking them around instead of murdering them outright makes me think maybe, you know, he's like on the side secretly of the rangers or something. But then, okay. yeah, it sort of stops literally mid-fight.
1: And, and the, that is pretty much the episode. So, Dave, <laughs> right. what is your high point? Oh,
0: man. I think my high point might actually be how cool Doshikaku looks. Like his yeah. <laughs> really cool costume.
1: Dude, his goma armor is rad.
0: Yeah. And it actually, you know what it it's is? It's also
1: red. Like red, red. Like red, red.
0: Well, he dresses in red. it I think it's actually sort of reminiscent of Iron Mask's armor. Like, yeah, it's a got, little bit. Yeah, it's got sort of like similar styling, although it's more ornate. Like it's bigger. But yeah, I think that's my high point, man. Like Doshikaku is styling and profiling.
1: And uh, what would you say your low point is this week?
0: Ah, uh, low point. I think my low point is maybe just like the senseless refusal to stop aggression on the part, actually, of both the Goma and the Rangers. It just—I don't—it doesn't make any sense. Like Rangers, you guys could just chill out. The Goma aren't attacking. You literally don't need to do anything, and they just refuse to accept that. It's kind of weird. How about you, man? Uh, high point.
1: Uh, for my high point, I am going to say that I really like First Lieutenant Shiryu. Yeah, I he's dig cool. that he is just this chill dude who happens to be a Goma and is super loyal to Kaku and has been waiting for like his once-in-future king Kaku to come back and lead them on and like be the dude in charge of their I don't know resistance or Maybe? at least just try to fix stuff. You know?
0: Yeah, I have uh, I have no idea. But he that. is, he's super cool. How about uh
1: low point? Um, my low point is okay, listen, I know you headcanon it away earlier, but he did not like Kaku did not need to manipulate the Rangers into doing anything. They already trusted him implicitly. All he had to do was before he did this stuff, say, Hey guys, here's the plan. Let's just do it this way. I know it sounds weird. Roll with me. And they would have done it, because they already trusted him. He did not need to break their trust and then manipulate him them into doing something. It's madness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, that's fair. Okay. And that's, do you have anything else to say about this episode?
0: No, man, that's it. Uh, what I have to say about this episode is that I cannot wait for the next episode.
1: Oh, dude, it's going to be good, and we will see you back here in seven days. But for now, that's going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Before we finish up, I would like to remind you all that you can email the show at Brothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, or uh, talk to us on Twitter, or do anything else on well, Twitter. No, I mean, if just, you just want to say hey. You yeah, just, I mean, just do what you like on Twitter. It's, you know, you can do True anything world. there. Uh, but if you want to talk to us specifically, we are at Super <laughs> Sentai Bros. Uh If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help you, other people find the show. Um, Rate and review on other platforms. We're on Stitcher. We're on... We're in a bunch well, of stuff. Well, we're on I Stitcher. I think we're on we're some around. other stuff. We're around. But uh Yeah. Check it out, tell your friends. Uh Retrograde Orbit Radio produces the show. Once again, we are the Super Centaur Brothers. I'm Matt, I'm Dave, and we'll see you next week. Nice.